I think of all the applications of Sabbath as a practice of resistance to anxiety, coercion, and the perpetual state of working 24-7. Thinking about Sabbath as resistance to multitasking is the hardest thing for me to get my head and heart around. As a teenager, I took many a spiritual gift survey. I loved these quizzes because I loved what they could tell me more about my personality. And one of them indicated that I had a spiritual gift of time management. I don't know where in scripture time management shows up, but that quiz seemed to think that was a gift that could be given by God, and I had it. Giving this gift was connected to a strong sense of self-discipline and self-motivation to stay focused and accomplish tasks. So I thought, well, of course, what better way to show how gifted in time management I could be than to multitask so I could accomplish more and so be recognized as a responsible teenager who could handle more and do it well. Well, and of course, that's exactly what happened. But eventually, instead of feeling like the ability to multitask was a gift, a skillful use of my time, the tasks began to manage me instead of the other way around. Eventually, I felt trapped in a whirlwind of busyness Addicted not to getting tangible things, but the praise and affirmation of authority, professors and teachers, the adults who I looked up to and tried to model myself after. And there came a point when I realized I had put the feeling of being an accomplished multitasker ahead of my undivided attention to God, let alone to my family and friends. So what started out as identifying a spiritual gift from God, a strong sense of self-discipline and time management, turned into the thing that I devoted more time to than to God, who created me with this gift and all the others that make me who I am. Multitasking is a hard cycle to break. The addiction to doing more I think is so hard to break because it's so socially acceptable. It's encouraged in every part of our culture, no matter which way we turn. And there is some merit in this. You know, on the one hand, multitasking keeps busyness under control for people who are just trying to make it through the day and make ends meet. A working parent with small children who's going to school at night needs to be very good at multitasking in order to make it and have time with family. So multitasking in and of itself, I don't think is a bad thing. The problem comes, I think, when multitasking becomes the default way of maintaining busyness so we don't have to rest and come to terms with silence, with stillness, and what would really bring us lasting joy and fulfillment. It's when multitasking is a way of maintaining an unsustainable way of life. I think that's where we can get tripped up. 
Walter Brueggemann defines multitasking as the incessant drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and effectiveness. And that such a practice yields a divided self with full attention given to nothing. No one, not even the church, is immune to this. Because, as Jane read, it's nothing new. Even in the days of the prophet Amos, people experienced a divided self by separating their faith from their daily lives. Amos takes the people with wealth, power, and privilege to task for keeping one eye on their watches while keeping up appearances and seeming to rest on the Sabbath. Amos was not fooled and neither was God by people supposedly keeping Sabbath while scheming about how to make a profit by any means necessary as soon as it was socially acceptable to get out of worship. This mindset exploits the poor by turning them into tradable commodities, reducing their worth to that of a pair of sandals or a piece of money, which fuels the greed of consumerism that has forgotten the limits of neighborliness. Amos echoes the prophet Isaiah, who contrasts the different fasts and modes of worship that God chooses and expects from what the people are actually doing. Both Amos and Isaiah hammer home the truth that worship, which does not lead to neighborly compassion and justice, cannot be faithful worship to God. Strong words. But worship demands our whole hearts, our whole lives, our whole selves. The commandment to keep Sabbath is the urgent summons to break the pattern of divided hearts and the habits of multitasking that feed suspicion and competition with our neighbors for resources. But Sabbath is not just a commandment to break the pattern of living with divided hearts. Sabbath is also the way in which the hunger and thirst for the words of the Lord is satisfied. Keeping Sabbath puts us in habitual right relationship with God and our neighbors because we have not forgotten the one in whose image we are made and who commanded us to rest because our common life depends on it. Amos warns about a famine of the words of the Lord when justice and compassion and mercy are divorced from worship. That can sound rather harsh on the surface. But I don't believe it's because God got so angry that God stopped speaking to the people. I believe God is always speaking. And famine is what it feels like when we're listening and expecting God to say something that God will not. God will not say it is okay for the rich to trample on the needy and exploit the poor. God will not say that it is okay for those who have extra to keep on collecting while others who have less go without. 
God will not say it is okay for anyone to look on the face of another human being and see them as expendable or unworthy or unimportant. God has been clear from the beginning. You shall love the Lord your God, who liberated you from being bound up in Pharaoh's anxiety, coercion, scarcity, and commodification. You shall love your neighbor by not recreating the environment of slavery of Pharaoh's Egypt. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself by using your freedom to rest as a means for your neighbors to rest alongside you. Listening for God to say anything otherwise means listening for God to say what will keep us comfortable so we don't actually have to change anything. This is the mindset that Jesus described a little later from the passage that Rick read, where he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't multitask and devote your whole self to serving God and to something that isn't God. Whether it's wealth or status or recognition or praise, whatever. You can't multitask faithfulness to God. You can't be divided. When we think that Sabbath rest is something, we can multitask. We fall into a trap that employs anxiety, coercion, and a host of other tricks to ensure that we need to feel worthy of deserving a rest. Which, of course, if you're anything like me, you never feel worthy of a real rest. You haven't done enough to deserve it. But if Jesus means what he says, when he invites us to come away and rest a while, to trade our heavy burdens for his easy and light one, and not to be anxious or worried about our future. And, spoiler alert, Jesus does mean it. Then our Sabbath rest comes not from our deserving it, but from God's abundant grace. The loving creator and good shepherd who leaves us to sit down in the green grass and become like the water still and calm. The ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu poses the question, do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and your water is clear? Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and your water is clear? We know that once a pebble has been tossed into water, no amount of multitasking or coaxing will make that water hurry up and be still or the mud to settle down any faster. We have to wait. Do you have the patience to wait in the midst of something that has caused a disruption to calm and tranquility for the settling that will occur and the clarity that will follow? Do you have the sense of compassion and justice that comes from consistent Sabbath practice to realize when time management and multitasking have become stand-ins for devotion to the one true God? 
May we all have the courage to quit thrashing around in the water with all of our divided hearts that try to extend ourselves beyond our limits and just be still to let what has been churned up settle into new places so that we see the path again. I believe that when we do this, we will regain the hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. I believe that when we do this, God will sweep us up in arms of love and compassion and show us again the way forward with justice and mercy and forgiveness. I believe that when we do this, God prepares a table before us and invites us again to feast anew on the word. Beloveds, may it be so. Amen.